Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm just glad you guys are all here today. Uh, I know it's uh, for y'all uh, Florida folks, it's a little chilly out. Uh, for, for us from up north, this is, this is almost beach weather. Uh, we would go to the beach at 60 degrees, 65 degrees. So, uh, and I'm guarantee you, people be swimming right now. Uh, so, but I'm just glad you guys are all here today. Um, we are in week seven of our eight-part series of life hacks, right? And uh, we've been, uh, bless you, and uh, we've been in deep diving into the book of James. And this week, we're going to be talking about boasting. That's what our title is going to, our, our topic for the, uh, this week is going to be. And uh, let me give you a little brief definition about boasting. It says, to praise oneself extravagantly in speech. Speak of oneself with excessive pride. Sounds like anybody y'all know? Anybody? Think about it. I ain't saying it's you, but I'm just saying I'm quite sure y'all know someone who, uh, who may fit under that. But we ain't worried about them. We're, we're talking about us right now, right? Our own individual, uh, how, how we see ourselves. And uh, got a little feedback there in the monitor. There we go. Thank you. And uh, if I had to put a title on this message, it would be, is it you or the Lord? Is it you or the Lord? Let us pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity uh, just to be a, a representative of your glory and of your life, Father, above all, all of us here, Lord. We know, Lord, that it is about you and it is not about us, Father. So, Lord, let, use less of me, use less of us for her, Father, and more of you, Father. Let your Holy Spirit speak, Lord, and we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, there are two truths that I've learned over the years. And uh, a lot of this has come from the hard way, learning the hard way. Uh, one is you don't know what you're truly, what is truly going to happen tomorrow, right? Nobody really knows what truly is going to happen tomorrow, right? Only God knows your future. So if we truly know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? I had a, um, we had a conversation at work the other day about, you ever drive around, you see them everywhere, especially down here, those uh, terror reading car places, you know, the palm readers and all that kind of stuff. Anybody ever notice they're always empty? They're always open and they're always empty. You would think if they knew what was going to happen, they would have just, you know, closed down for good because ain't nobody there. We have our own beliefs as to why those places are still open, but we ain't going to talk about that. That's between them and the government. Um, but, uh, yeah, money laundering, we ain't going to talk about um, So, uh, yeah, we ain't going to go there. That's not our message for today. <laughs> um, but if you knew the future, right, if, if I knew what was going to happen tomorrow, if I knew, you would have picked them numbers on the lotto already, right? You would have had it. You'd be like, well, all right, Jesus, but I, got the, I know what's going to happen. I'm about to get these numbers right. If you knew what's going to happen in the future, if, if, you could, if you knew what was going to happen in the future, you would have never given your phone number to what's-his-name that you spent two years of a trifling life with. Well, some of it was more than two years. Some of it was longer than that. Right? If you knew what was going to happen, 
you wouldn't have actually done that. Let's be honest with ourselves for once. Tomorrow is promised to no one. We've all heard of that before. And that's the one thing we need to kind of lay our mindset in as we, as we continue on today. The second truth is, I am not as invincible as I think I am. And uh, I kind of learned that the hard way. You know, when you're young, especially when you're, when you're, when you're a guy, or you, I don't know about the girls, but guys, you just run into danger. You do everything. I mean, everything. You won't learn until, that, that you don't have the ability to do that until you fail in that ability to do that. And you're not failing because not for the lack of trying. You're failing because you're just not built to do that. Um, I actually shared this week, we were talking about how some of the stupid stuff we did as a kid. And I said, when I was a kid, I jumped off of a roof to try to jump over a spike fence. I almost made it. Uh, I have the stitches to show that I almost made it. And, uh, and so it's little things like that where you realize, man, you're not really, you know, you really don't have the ability to do a lot of stuff that you think you do. Uh, and, and so we, we have to understand um, how fragile we actually are and in, in, in how we are now. So... You know, I was thinking also that, you know, if we had that type of power, if, if we weren't as fragile, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, my wife, should, her cell phone or her battery is always dead. I'd be like, she'll call me up. Babe, I need my battery charged. All right, go ahead. There it is right there. If I had that kind of power, I can just go ahead and recharge your battery right there. If I had the kind of power, we would be driving around and all of a sudden traffic would be right there and be like, go ahead, let's spread that traffic out. <laughs> yeah. Get my own express lane just for me. You know, have you ever seen the movie uh, Evan Almighty? Yeah, yeah, Evan Almighty. <laughs> he just does whatever he wants. And, and I think in the, in the movie he did like, he types it somewhere. Everybody won lotto. I guess he, everybody, and everybody only won like a dollar and 20 cents or something like that. Whatever, because everybody got to get their prayers or whatever they wanted had done. You know, and obviously he didn't know how to handle that type of power that he had. Um, another thing is if like, uh, if you had that type of power, ladies would never have a bad hair day. Ever, right? You ain't got to worry about that little curly stuff. You spraying a little thing or whatever. You don't got to worry about any of that stuff, whatever. Oh, I like it frizzy, like a street. No. You just wake up, boom, power. Good hair all day. People are paid for that. <laughs> so also know that the thing is, is about that type of power is that some people can't handle. A lot of people can't handle that type of authority. They can't handle that type of type of power. We all seen them. Even in our jobs, we see somebody who got a promotion, right? Got that little promotion, and all of a sudden they got big headed. Like the only reason I got the promotion is because I did this or I did that or whatever. It was always I, you know. So because I did this, this is where I am. You know, you didn't do nothing. You know, there was like no team or anything involved in their whole situation. And we've all seen those those, those situations. We've all seen those kind of people. So if you're always uh, thinking about how good they are. Uh, that's why a lot of times people think that, you know, they're the bomb, right? So when we try to be the opposite of those two truths, when we try to be uh, only God knows that only God knows your future and only God has all the power, when, we're try when we try to be the opposite of that, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to be God. Think about it. 
That's what we're really trying to do. We're trying to say, Lord, we don't really need you here because we got it. And the reality is, as we all know, we, we don't. We don't. And, and, and you may think, well, no, I don't think that. Well, see, sometimes we do, whether it's conscious or subconsciously. Sometimes we actually kind of do feel like that we're in that kind of like, you know, I can do all things through me. <laughs> right? So we're going to read James chapter 4, verse 13 and 15. And uh, James kind of lays it out for us a little bit. Uh, I've said this before. James, is he cuts you to the bone. Uh, he, he takes it straight to it like it is. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Mm. Got to make that money. Why? You do not even know. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Ooh, that's cold-blooded right there. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Ooh. Let that chew on that for a second. We're going to break down James chapter 13 because I think, I think it's very important in, in what he says right there and how we think in our, in our lives. So when he says... Today or tomorrow, what we're saying is, is when we have that in that sight, we're saying that's our own time, right? So we can think that we are on our own time, which is today or tomorrow, or in our own direction, which is we will go, right? We're going to go and do this. I'm going to go down to wherever. I'm going to go and start this. I'm going to do this. We can say, or, or in our own, our own city, which is our own location. I know my wife and I, we're, we're talking about the business that, that, that we're in development. We're, we were going through and we're like, you know, where should we go? Should we go down the base side, go to Aventura, go here, go here, there, whichever is the best spot. But it really doesn't matter where we pick if God doesn't pick it for us. So we haven't picked out a spot yet until he tells us where to go. So we can do our own enterprise, which is carry our own business. Well, you got to make sure that that's the business in which God wants you to be in. And we're going to throw our foot in that in a little bit too. Or make that money, which is your goal. See, what a lot of things that we do, the inroad to a lot of stuff we do, honestly, especially if it's outside the kingdom, is financial, right? I mean, think about it. Everything we have to do in life revolves around money. Unfortunately, but that's the way it is. So... All those things that he's talking about, today and tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city, spend some time here, do this particular business, earn this much of cash, whatever it is, those things are all unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. So let me switch gears for a second. Have you ever felt like you were on your own to make something happen? Think about it. Not just, in, you know, we can talk about church all day regarding that, but we're talking about just in life in general. Just think about it. Let's go to life first. Have you ever thought about, man, I, the, the only way this project is going to get done is if I do it. I got a team of 15 people, but right now it's a team of I. 
You ever thought about that? Has that ever happened to you? A lot of folks it has. So I know for, for, for us, you know, and, and, for, and some of us may have experienced it, that sometimes in ministry it feels that way. You're like, man, we need to get this done, we need to get that done, and then you're relying on certain people to do this and that, but yet they don't have the same vision that you do, right? Or they don't have the same vision that, that the whole vision is supposed to be of, and we're all missing a vision. And then they're asking, what's the vision? But then sometimes it just doesn't get through. It doesn't get processed. So what do you have to do? You have to feel that you have to do everything, that you have to go and do this. I got to go and uh, sign this paper up. I got to go and set up this decoration. I got to go and do this. I got to go and do all of that other stuff. So you're running around doing everything, feeling like only you can get it done because nobody else is in a position or nobody else is there. They're there. But we'll get into that too later. So... Here's the problem with that. When, when you get into that mindset, the problem is you can start to think that you are your own man, your own woman, and that you own whatever you're into. I own this house. I own this church. I own this ministry. I own this job. I mean, yeah, you own it, but you're more like stewards of it. When we start to get into that mentality, that's when we start to have problems. That's when we start to lift ourselves up and start to boost ourselves up sometimes. Because that's when your whole mentality, your whole heart kind of changes in how you see things and how you, and how you experience life or how you interact with others. See, but no one is telling you, nobody is saying don't plan for anything. That's not what James is saying. James didn't mention that. Nobody's saying, nobody's saying don't plan for anything. But we just can't make them happen. We just can't make those plans happen on our, in our own power and expect it to be kingdom successful. We can't do it. Look, there are successful non-believers out there. We see them. We know them. You can tell. They're everywhere. You see the billboards everywhere. You, know, you see the businesses all over the place. And even there are successful believers who do not call upon God for, for guidance. And I'm using the word believers as in a stretch, as in they know of God. So, and for them, and we need to ask ourselves this simple question. Who or what is the power behind their success? if they're not taking it to God. If God is not the guidance, if God is not the origin of their success, where's the power coming from? If you're not building up the kingdom, then you're, you're tearing it down. You're coming against it. What is the impact of their success on the kingdom? That's another thing we need to look at when it comes to power, success. What is the impact of the kingdom? So what we're trying to convey is, is that don't exclude God from your plans. That's pretty simple. You think about it, right? Say, yeah, we're going to include God, right? Um, if he powers it, it won't fail. That's a given testimony. If God, if God powers it, I guarantee you, it will not fail. 
The one thing that I have uh, have a issue with, and, and maybe I need to be working on that or something like that, but the, just for understanding is that it's hard for me to understand how you can know of God and you can know of the truth, right? But yet still deny him and still deny his truth. I don't understand how you can do both. That's, so that's where I get to the thought, well, what's really driving behind your success? And then is any of those things that's driving behind my success when I exclude God, how, how am I impacting the kingdom? Or how unsuccessful am I impacting the kingdom? When you exclude the truth of God from your, from your plans in life, this is what you're really doing. This is what happens when you exclude God from the plans of your life. You talk the lie. Think about it. Because God is the truth. Everything he does or his word is the truth. If you exclude or push God away from there, what you're doing is you're talking a lie, which is your lie of what you think your truth is. You believe in the lie, so then now you're starting to psych yourself up and say, well, I can do this. It's all me. You boast about the lie. You live the lie. And then you die without God. That's what happens when God is not included in there. And I, and, and I don't know if it may seem like it's a little extreme, right? Say, man, that's kind of extreme to, to, to say that. Man. But no, it's the truth. Exclude God from your life, you die without God. Do you think it's extreme because we forget that we're really actually kind of fragile? that we don't have the amount of power that we think that we actually do? That when we come up with a sense of reality and a sense of clarity, we're like, man, we, we, we really need to knuckle up here. We need to really focus. See, in James 4, verses 14, he, James tears it down for you real quick. Good. He says, reminds us that we are just a mist. I'm like, man, I think I'm a little more than a mist. You know, I'm bigger than a mist. I know that, but I know I'm a little more than a mist. So what, what, what James is doing right there, he's kind of giving you a spiritual reality check. It, I think is what he's really doing. See, you guys, you go to uh, those little cafes on the corner, on the streets and stuff like that. You go to South Beach or wherever, and then they have the little mist, spraying mist outside when it's like 180 degrees outside in Miami and it's hot. You got all these people out there, all these bodies and everything. You don't want nobody to touch you, right? You don't want to run away rugged. It's just too hot. And then you get that little mist. And even when you go to the amusement park, I think like Disney and all those places, they have it too. You go to the it's like, ah, oh, the mist. Oh, it feels cool. Ah, oh, it feels good, right? Well, that mist is only good when it hits you. After that, all you, do, all you are after that is you're just hot and wet. Right? So you're like, man, that's, that feels good. But if you ever notice at some places, and you can actually buy this in a store, they have a bottle, you put water in it, and it has a little fan, and then you can go, shh, 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 shh get your little spray mist on or whatever. And then you're like, man, that actually feels kind of cool because then you blow the little, little fan on the water and mist and everything. That's because the mist becomes refreshing, becomes a tool, becomes powerful when there is power behind it. So 
Yes, I am this, but with that power behind it, I'm a, I'm a factor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm a tool. I can actually cause refreshingness. I can actually relieve some people of some things. But without that power supporting behind that, all you are is just for a second. That's what he means just by a, a mist, that you're here today, you're gone tomorrow. Unless there's something powerful driving that mist. So James kind of wraps it all up and he says uh, in verse uh, 15 and 16, he kind of brings everything together. He said, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your own arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So all those things that you're talking about, I did this, I did that, I did this, I, 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 and you didn't say, well, thank you, Lord, for doing this, thank you, Lord, for doing that. All those things is the opposite of giving God the glory. Because now you're saying, I did it, that it was all me. The only boasting you should be doing is about the power of God. The Word even talks about that. In Psalms 44, verse 8, it says, In God we make our boast all day long. Our boasting is all day long in God. You read Psalms, a lot of it is talking about the glory of God. It's magnifying the power of God. It's acknowledging his power and then not only not our power. So we need life hacks to help us not to raise our limited Greatness above God's forever greatness. So here are a couple of our life hacks. So we have three life hacks that, we're gonna, that we need to do. One, first one, and I think it's very important. Give credit where it's due. Give credit where it's due. In James 1, verses 17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, Lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. That was in James 1, verse 17. I don't know if he got that up there or not. So every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. I have seen firsthand on many occasions where the only answer for a particular outcome was God. And I know many of you have also. But ask yourself this. Did you give God the glory for that? Do we do it all the time or some of the time? And if we don't do it, was it because we were emotionally, real emotional at the time? Oh, man, that was great. Praise me. And here's how you know. See, even what's the first thing you see rappers athletes, when they get a touchdown, rappers come up, or not even rappers, just entertainers and everything, they get their award, they say, oh, yes, oh, you just won an award, yeah, 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 first and foremost, the first thing I like to do is thank God. Okay. Even they have the sense enough to thank God. I hope they're thanking the same God, but then you have to see, well, what's the fruit of what they're thanking God for? So then you ask yourself again, well, whose God are you thinking? What power behind it are you thinking about? 
And, and I've learned that, you know, sometimes people come say, hey, you know, and you guys, I know you go on the pastor will, pastor man, hey, pastor, you know, that was a great word. You know, hey, Pastor D, that was a good word. And, and usually, and most of the time, you'll hear pastors say, well, you know, praise God. You know, he's the one that delivered it. I just showed up. That was it. That's how you see how people actually give God the honor. And you give him the glory. So when you are in a position where something actually great happens, then you ask yourself, man, did God do it? Or did I do it? There was an angel. There was an angel. And uh, this angel was the worship leader. He was a worship pastor. And, and we call him worship pastor. We just give him that, uh, that title, even though he was a worship, worship leader. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he, he, the, the Bible says that he was encrusted with jewels, right? He had like studded jewels and everything. You know, he was, he was, he was G'd out. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was Gucci, you know, so he was, he was covered head to toe. He was good. And the thing is, is that his job wasn't just a, the worship leader. The thing is, is that his job was to reflect the light, the glory of God. That was his job. He had one job. To reflect the glory and the light of God. And so that's what he did. He was like, boom, shining, everything, shining bright like a diamond. You know, he was just like, ah, oh, yeah, the glory. And then he got to the point where he thought that he was the light. That he was the light of God. So then he started to believe himself that it was I that everybody was worshiping to and not actually God. But here's the one thing that we need to understand. You see, you can have the biggest jewel on the planet. You can have the largest diamond, the greatest diamond. You, you can have anything that you want that is of value. And the one thing that makes it valuable, of course, is just rarity. But when you go into a store and you buy a diamond ring or something like that, you ever, has anybody ever sold you any jewelry in the dark? Has anybody experienced that? And if you have, I would suggest you go check to see if it's real. But has anybody ever bought, ever, nobody, right? There's a reason why that light is shining and glistening in that jewelry case. It's because it's going to bring out what is already in it, what God had already put into it. So see, that's the thing. It doesn't matter how great and how perfect you are, unless you have the glory of the light of God shining through you, all you are is just an element. You're no, the only difference between a diamond and a lump of coal is the light, the power that reflects through there. One is in the earlier stage, one is at the end stage, but the light that reflects through it. So if we were living in a dark world, your diamond wouldn't be worth anything because nobody would be able to see the, 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 sometimes the good imperfections and then sometimes the non-imperfections, like the perfect stone. So that's what he thought. He thought that he was perfect. He thought he was the light of the world, but he wasn't. Once he rebelled against God, God's light was no longer shining on him. The glory of God was removed. And then what did he become after that? The prince of darkness. It doesn't matter how crusted in jewels that he has, unless the power of God, that light shines through him, he has no power. That's why he's the prince of darkness. 
Are you boasting about his glory or are you building, build, building your own? Are you boasting about his glory or are you just busy building your own? That's another question we need to ask ourselves. I remember um, Brother Rob was here and he was, he was sharing, I don't know if you guys remember, it was several weeks ago about the business that they were uh, starting up and, and that they were about to go into and then that business didn't prevail the way they thought it was because it was going to be a very lucrative opportunity for them. And, and the first thing he said was is that when I was making all the plans for the business and the, and the, the resources of those businesses that we were going to get in, not one of them included benefiting the kingdom. And so that business didn't, didn't come through, it didn't fulfill itself. Because his mindset going into that business was about I and not about the kingdom. That's important for us to think about. Are you boasting, are you building for I or are you building for him? That'd be the difference. So the number two, the second life hack is pray through work plans. Pray through work plans. It may seem like a no-brainer, right? Yeah, oh man, that's obvious. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Insert meme here. But, but when you're in that moment, when, when, when you think that you have, a, a, have to react to something, when you're in that emotional moment, do you ever take a minute to thought to say, okay, let me pray about it, even if it's for 30 seconds? Like you're sitting in there and then they're offering it to say, okay, Here's the car. You got approval for this right amount. You got approval for this amount. You got approval now. You're just happy that they just approved you already, but you didn't even focus on the 25% interest rate that they got on you. Oh, there's no money down. Oh, great. We don't have to come out of pocket. Yeah, but you're going to be spending an extra $10,000 over the next six years. That's 30 seconds of prayer that could have saved you a lot of money. Jesus took time to pray. Why? Because his purpose was to do what God wanted. And he couldn't do what God wanted unless he knew what God wanted, which discovered through prayer. So I ask you this. How can you connect your daily work to God's wisdom? How can you plan your work with God? How can you give God control of your future? The math is simple. It works. Prayer. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8 says it helps you if you're having trouble giving over control because that's what basically what we're talking about. What we're talking about is giving control of your daily lives and your daily functions to God. That's what we're talking about. That's the bottom line. So in Philippians 4, Sega says, do not be anxious about anything. I love this verse. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present, present your request to God. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Is that thing you want to do fits into verse 8? 
is the thing you want to do, the business you want to start, the home you want to purchase, the ministry you want to help lead or develop, does anything, any of those things, anything you want to do in life, does it fit into that? Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy unto God? No? Time to go back into the prayer closet then. Because if that, if it doesn't fit that, there's some reevaluations that need to happen. Last, number three, talk like you're dying versus divine. Talk like you're dying versus divine, which means that you're not what you used to be because of his grace. The whole born again, striving for sanctification. In, Exod, uh, in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, uh, 2 to 10, we're going to get into that. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live with you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Next. All of us, all of us, all of us. Remember, we're talking about apostles that are writing this. They're saying all of us, among them at one time, gratifying and cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature deserving of wrath. I like verse 4, by the way. I'm going to tell you why. But... Pero, right? Pero. Pero. But. See, the thing is, here's a great thing about buts in the Bible. Whenever buts in the Bible shows up, grace walks into the room. Pero, because, okay, right? Of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. So whenever you see a but in the Bible, you better have a shout. You better have a joy because that representation means that God's grace and his glory just walked into the room to save you from all that other foolishness. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable, incomparable riches, not your riches, not your money, nothing you can do, but by you following him, incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness, uh, kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Ooh, I feel like throwing a shoe. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. What? What did he just say? This is great. This is not from yourself. This is not from the word. This is not from the I, I, I. This is not from the promotion or anything like that. This is grace. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God. 
not by works so that no one can boast. Oh, there's that word again. We can't boast through works. And even if we did do the work, guess what? It wasn't you driving it. For we are God's handiwork. Exclamation point. That shouldn't even be a period. That should be an exclamation point. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do God's work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Stop right there. Listen, whatever you want to do, and if God has put in your heart, he has already prepared that thing. So if you're praying for something that's not in his will, guess what? It ain't going to be, it's not going to happen. I had to check my Ebonics there. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen for his will. And he already has it planned out. And the thing is, is that a lot of times when we feel like we have to do things on our own and, and we can't rely on anybody else or anything like that, and a lot of times we, 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 what we have is, is that we tend to lose faith. Think about it. If you feel like you always have to do something, that means what? That you can't, you don't trust anybody else. You don't have faith. But yet God had appointed people in your life to help you in that. So what you're doing is, in essence, you're saying, I don't have faith in God. You have to have faith in God to lead the way. And then a lot of times those things that we, where our faith is reduced or, or we, we, we have concerns, we have fear that something is not going to get done. We have fear. But the thing is, is that I need to tell you, don't let fear hijack your faith. Don't let fear hijack your faith. Y'all should tweet that. Don't let it hijack your faith. Because that's, that fear, there's been some things I've been afraid of. But I've always had more faith than my fear. So I hate heights. I wouldn't say I have a fear of flying. I just have a fear of falling out of the sky. But I know there are times where I have to fly to do what God wants us to do. My wife can tell you, I didn't want to fly back to Wisconsin quite a few times. I'm like, can we drive? Can we drive? Can we drive? We're going to fly. Oh, Lord. All right, let's fly. But a lot of times you have to overcome that fear with your faith in God. And I'll tell you a flight story. We're almost done. We were on our way to, we were actually coming from back from Santo Domingo. DR. Um, and uh, I'm telling you, first of all, if y'all have ever been to DR in San Domingo, you know how the airport and everything is already there. So I don't even have to tell, talk to you about that situation. But when you actually get on a plane and everything, so we're on a plane, we're coming back, and it's flying and everything, and then we're literally circling for a good 45 minutes over Miami. And we're like, all we see is clouds. And we're like, man, they're like, well, we're going to have to wait. We're in line and everything. I knew the flight turbulence was like, it was like the Flintstones. You know, you're just like all over the place. You saw people praying. You saw people doing this. People were like, oh, Lord, I don't know if we're going to make it and things like that. And the thing is, we was running out of fuel, so we had to land. There was no option. We had to go into that storm over Fort Lauderdale. No choice. And so everybody, I wasn't concerned at all. I was not concerned. Zodi, mom, she was on a plane. Ha, Santorini. You know, she was going to, you know, do her thing or whatever. You know, dad was on a plane too. He was just smiling. He laughs at everything. It doesn't even matter what it is. You know, and we're doing it. Lito, our brother Lito and, and Nidia, they're on a the plane. Lito, I think he was asleep. 
But, but we're going there, and I'm just sitting up here. Brenda's right here. I'm on the window seat, and I'm good. And the first thing I said to her, and I don't know if she remembers this, I said, nothing is going to happen to us because we got way too many saints on this plane. <laughs> way too many saints in one spot for anything to happen. Now, granted, the landing was literally like Flintstones on a pterodactyl, and it was going boom, 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 boom when we landed. But I tell you what, that was the, that, that was the best Fort Lauderdale fresh air I've ever smelled. When we got out, I don't care how much fumia was. I don't care how rude the people was when I got off the plane or anything. I don't care how rude the uh, TSA and immigration was. That was the best time. That, I was like, I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be home. But was there fear? Huh? What happened was one of my concerns, but I have faith enough in God to understand that my faith in him is greater than my fear and anything that can happen. So... We have two choices, basically, when we talk about boasting. Two choices. First is that you can boast in yourself or you can boast in God. You can take pride in what you do. I did this, like we talked about before. I'm the king of the world. I'm the best that ever did it. Or you can be humble about it and say, you know what, Lord, God gave me a gift he anointed me to actually do this, and I'm just blessed that he allowed me to even be in this position to do anything. You can deny and say, no, man. No, man, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You weren't there to help me. You didn't tell him jokes. I remember a comedian telling when he was getting divorced from his wife. She didn't say one joke. How's she going to get half of everything? Not one joke. You can deny that somebody else was there, a part of you, that God has sent somebody else a part of you, or you can actually believe that God has people to assist you in life, who walk through life with you. You can reject the truth of God, or you can receive his truth. And receiving his truth and following his truth means life. When you build up your faith in the power of God, your faith begins to recognize his grace. And his grace lives power. Think about that. When you build up your faith in the power of God, not the power of me, not the power of anything that I do, but when you build in the power of God, your faith starts to believe more in the grace of God. And remember, God's grace has power, great power. Through the Bible, God was always telling one prophet or one apostle or somebody or another, my grace is sufficient. Even though all the stuff that you go through, his grace is sufficient. Even all the planning that you want to do and everything that you want to accomplish, his grace is sufficient. Because his grace holds the power. I'm going to ask each and every one of you this question. And I want you to seriously think about it for about 30 seconds. Because really, that's all the time you're going to need. That's all I'm going to give you. Think about this. Is there anything that you want to do right now? Anything that you want to do right now? that you need to pray about, that you want God to be the power behind it? Is there anything that you started, that you really think about it, that you started, that you really didn't start with God, but now you need God to go ahead and take control <laughs> because your way didn't work out the right way? If that's you, every eye's closed, every head bowed, if that is you, I just need you to lift your hand up. If that is you, 
I see you. I see you. If that is you, I need you to stand up. Just right where you're at. Just right where you're at. I just need you to stand. If you can't stand, that's fine. Keep your hand up. Right now, as a house, as a family, as believers, as people of God, what we're going to do right now, we're going to believe with you in that thing. We're going to pray with you all together. All of us are going to pray at the same time. We're going to shout out a petition of God's greatness and his glory at the same time and have him flow through us and, and let that petition roll. So it doesn't matter anybody who else doesn't have their hands up. And whatever you hear, you come in agreement with what you may hear right now. Because we want his power. We want his authority. We want that thing to be under his covering, not under ours. It's his covering that provides the shelter. It's his covering that protects you from the weather, that protects you from the storms. That's the power that we need. I'm with you. There's some things that we, we, we want to accomplish that, that we feel God has called us to do that can benefit the kingdom. But to be honest with you, there's so much stuff on our plate right now, we need to remove some things off and, and I need God to tell me what needs to go. There's so many things that are keeping us from being distracted from the will of God. So right now, we're going to come together all in one prayer. You just shout it out. You just tell God what it is. We're all family here. It doesn't even matter. 